Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, Elliot. How's it going? Uh, pretty well. We're having London weather here in Milwaukee. It's been uh, 55 and raining all day, but other than that, it's fine. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, not as humid here in uh, the D.C. area, but you wait a couple of days, that'll change. Exactly. Exactly. I hope this changes. This is a little dreary. <laughs> so um, I just saw yesterday that uh, DHS, which periodically, as you know, issues uh, National Terrorism Advisory System bulletins, issued a new one. It's essentially a, I would say, a continuation of the most recent one. Um, I just wondered if you saw that. Yeah, I did. I know we talked uh, a bit ago about the um, uh, the, uh, the report they did, they did on uh, retail theft. So, uh, you know, like a lot of these law enforcement agencies, they do a lot of different things. But Homeland Security, which, as we know, is a, is a massive organization, has been sort of in, in the middle of uh, providing these sort of warnings over time. And obviously, given everything, and we've alluded to some of this in the past couple of conversations, but given all the horrific shootings, given the fact that we have some very uh, controversial Supreme Court decisions awaiting uh, finalization or whatever, and then given the fact that we have elections coming up and what's going on in Ukraine, I think it's unfortunately the, the hack phrase, the perfect storm, and they felt it necessary to issue this a, these series of warnings, which include all of that. But it but what, what I took away from it, besides the obvious, is that they actually talk about some things that are surprising, but I believe are true. Like the, they say the continued proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding current events could reinforce existing personal grievances or ideologies and can inspire more violence. I mean, I think that's really important here. And while that's not something that's endemic to the financial sector by any means. It's cert certainly a broad-based community concern. And then they also talk about foreign adversaries who continue wanting to exploit the divisions in our country, um, all of that. So again, um, the, the, the importance can't be overstated, but also none of us should be surprised that all these elements make government officials stand up and take notice. Yeah, so I agreed with all of that. Um, I think the, the one you mentioned first about um, false or misleading narratives, um, I know this sounds very simplistic, but it goes all the way back to what our teachers in elementary school always reminded us, and that's that words matter. And, you know, the idea that just saying whatever you want to say, whether it's tethered to the truth or not, is okay and actually even maybe a positive for some reason in the mind of the speaker. Um, it's causing one of the largest you know, uh, agencies in the, in the federal government to remind us that we have a heightened threat environment, uh, at least indirectly related to that. Um, that's pretty scary actually. Right, and it's not just internal or uh, in the US 
uh, false narratives. They talk about foreign terrorist organizations will most likely continue to use online platforms to inspire individuals to engage in violent activity. And they actually, interesting, they talked about, and we, we saw this uh, back in April, that ISIS released an audio message, the one announcing a new global campaign to avenge the death of the group's uh, leader and spokesman. And it called on ISIS supporters to carry out what they're calling knife and vehicle ramming attacks in the U.S. and Europe. Um, so that's scary in and of itself. I know as we are recording this, there's uh, a news report that an individual was found outside of Justice Kavanaugh's home in Maryland with the intent uh, to kill the justice, had uh, knives and guns and duct tape, all sorts of things with them. So, um, you know, this is both an internal issue and external affecting us here and around the globe. So, um, but the other part of this that I think if there's no comfort in any of this, but what I liked, uh, like is relative term, but what I liked about the report is they say, here's what we're doing about this. So DHS says, hey, we're working with the FBI, we're sharing information. We have these various offices on things like cybersecurity. Um, we have um, yeah, a national threat evaluation reporting program. So they talk about all these areas uh, that, they're, that they're all working together with the government and private sector partners. Well, I think that's, that's an important statement. We all know this is happening, but I think putting that in the document gives you some ability to understand that it's not just you're all on your own. There's some things that we're doing to try to fix problems. Right. Um, the other thing about this bulletin and actually it's sort of right at the beginning is they talk about the recent uh several recent violent attacks by lone offenders and you know it's it as much as it really does feel like a pattern um it's interesting that they are seeing a pattern of at least again heightened threat as a result of these individual actors um in the various shootings that we've seen over the last uh, 30 days or so, 45 days, um, that um, no one's connected the dots to say that these folks were in any way in contact with one another or part of some mass plan or anything like that. They, they in every case, have appeared to be individual individuals acting individually. But DHS is seeing a connection driven by some of the things you mentioned earlier and the fact that just the volume of these actions is enough to cause them to say, we need to put something out and remind everybody what some of the threats are. And as you just pointed out, what people are doing. And so um, I think that uh, um, this has a time limit on it. I mean, because they these summaries always have a time limit. So because that's a promise that if not before, you're going to get another update. And this one goes to the end of November. But uh, um, I think it's important for everyone to pay attention. And, uh, you know, some of these things that the that DHS says they're doing involve people reporting. So, um, you know, to the extent that we see something threatening, we can try to be part of the solution. I mean, that's that's always tricky but uh, but it's important 
Yeah, you know, the, the other thing relate, <clears throat> related to this, one of uh, your senators, Senator Baldwin, Tammy Baldwin, uh, announced, uh, I think late, late May, but I just said it came across my desk here. Uh, she's co-sponsoring a Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. So I know that debate continues to go on. Does there need to be a domestic terrorism statute? I know there's some controversy around that. But uh, some of the more basic provisions in that bill would do what I think are pretty common sense things, like create dedicated offices in all these agencies, in DHS, Justice, FBI, to uh, investigate and prosecute domestic terrorism and then require reports, you know, you know, similar to what Homeland Security has just issued, but reports on what's happening in, the, in this space and training and all that. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of debates on whether there should be a statute where you can back actively prosecute individuals for domestic terrorism. But there's also, you know, we should spend more time and energy on it. And since um, the uh, FBI Director Ray last year said domestic terrorism still remains a top priority. I think things like this become pretty important. Now, we both know you don't need legislation to create these offices. I mean, uh, these agencies can do that in and of themselves. But I thought it was important to sort of connect the dots between what DHS is telling us to be concerned about and also that, you know, at least some members of Congress are saying, let's have some practical responses here. Yes. Um, yeah. Because in the end, I mean, it is about pra practical response. Um, okay, so this we this month, uh, June twenty third, one p.m. Eastern time, we will be live streaming uh, our webinar, and we're going to be focusing on customer risk rating models. So, um, several folks from our financial crime advisory group will be talking about. Uh, uh, the latest uh, thinking in that space. We also have invited several other experts who will be added to the panel between now and then. And registration is open, and you can do that on the amlrightsource.com website. So um, we hope you'll uh, uh, join that live stream. And John, I know you've got some interesting interviews uh, in the pipeline that will be yeah. to our website along the way here. Yeah, a couple of things coming up. Um, I just spoke with a, uh IRS agent that works on cyber issues. I'm going to be talking to a, an academic and a legal practitioner about cyber issues as well. I'd also say through the work that you're doing in your, in your group, Elliot, I remind everybody that after we've had webinars or podcasts, we reissue those on social media with some frequency. So you'll see it on LinkedIn. You'll see it in other places. Um, and they are, they tend to be uh, issues that we believe remain current, even if we did the uh, conversation or the webinar a few months ago. So look for those as well. And as we always say, uh, you can subscribe to our content wherever you get your, your podcasts and all of these uh, previously held programs are on our website. And uh, we obviously are pretty proud of the content we have there. Thanks, John. Uh, I will uh, talk with you next week. Um, be safe. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Yep.